Kia This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Hello, we're back with B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Um, we're still talking about the same film we were talking about in the first half, Rock, Paper, Scissors. That's our sort of link today. And we've got the filmmakers here today, um, Simon Litschwager and Anthony Kitchener. We actually talked to you guys last year when you were in the process of making the film, but um, do you want to give me a little recap again for anybody who didn't hear that interview? What's the movie about? Go for it, Simon. You can, you can describe it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, the movie is about Savras Kirakides, a self-taught environmental artist who works um, along the south coast of Wellington, mainly in Island Bay and Houghton Bay. Um, and it's about the challenges that he faces as an artist working in the public space um, because even though most people really love his work, there is a small group of people who don't seem to like it and they keep pushing it over. And so it was, and, and we only found that out once we'd started the film. So it's really about his struggles in dealing with this and um, yeah, coming to grips with the fact that not everyone likes his work. <laughs> Is that something artists get used to? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is going to be showing soon, isn't it, in the Dock Edge Festival, which is a bit exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So it has the world premiere um, on Sunday the 20th of That's May. The world premiere. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it is though, right? Um, and it's screening as part of the um, Aotearoa short film program so it's screening alongside three other short films that um short documentary films i should say um that also um deal with very broadly speaking artistic themes mm-hmm. so what gave you the idea originally to make this film um <clears throat> originally well it, it was meant to be a i guess a, a test in a way to learn how to make or to have a go at making film that obviously it wasn't meant to be a a, originally like a five-minute, you know, kind of meet-the-artist type film cause, because it was local, so we could easily get to it outside of work. Um, but obviously there were other challenges that we didn't anticipate, like the, you know, the, the, the Wellington wind um, <laughs> uh, and having good weather arrive on the weekend when, when you needed to go out and shoot. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it was meant to be just a, a five-minute, a short five-minute film just to, to practice to learn how to make film, but obviously it kind of turned into, into a, a bigger story. Mm, much so, bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously there were a few surprises as you went, uh, mainly maybe finding out about that conflict, was it? And thinking, hmm, something else going on here. Oh, we found, I mean, because Stadworth, he, he mentioned that a lot, or he, you know, he used to talk about people knocking it down all the time, and, and sometimes you, you weren't really sure whether that was, you know, if, if it was maybe more in his head or, or if it was just the weather that was doing it. And then I think the second or third time that we met Stavros, when we were just walking along the coast, we saw him interacting with a um, like a, a woman that lives nearby, um, who was kind of, I guess, asking him not to not to build his sculpture in the place that he always built it. So. And I think initially we also thought, okay, maybe people do knock it down, but it's probably just accidental, and maybe they just want to see how it's balanced. Mm. So he does all these balancing rocks and balancing mm. limbs. And we simply could not imagine that some people might have such an issue with his work that they actively go there, in some cases even take a detour to dismantle <laughs> his work. In some cases they even go to the effort of putting, uh, picking mm. a rock up 
carrying it somewhere and throwing yeah. it into the ocean. So he keeps telling us those stories of how he actually finds those rocks again, wades into the water, and where he found them. And yeah, that's I mean, the, it's a good example. Like the last time I spoke to Stavros a few weeks back, and there's a the, there's a common kind of stone that he kind of puts up around. I forget the name of the street now. Around in Island Bay, anyway, and it's you know it's quite a big you know it, it's say maybe um, you know a foot, a foot and a half long, and it must weigh close to forty kilos. Um, so it's you know pretty hefty stone. And, and Stavros said he had, he he spent a while trying to fish it out of the the low tide area where and, and he was standing up to his knees on, on the low tide to get it out. And and so someone or two, several people must have actually picked it up. And moved it ten meters or twenty meters from where yeah, he, where not he kids, positioned is it. it. If it's forty kilos, it's not. Kids. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty hefty stone, and I, I guess it would take some you know coordination to actually to move it intentionally, <laughs> so so that he can't actually then put it back up again. But but he did, so so you know he's, he's persistent in that way. It's interesting. So. This stone's become the focus of all his aggression. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's getting a reaction with his art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, how did you find it as first-time filmmakers? How did you find the process? Challenging. <laughs> Exciting. Um, challenging. Um, there were so many challenges that we tried to anticipate, but then there were also many that we didn't see coming, and mm. they just, yeah. And they come up, you have to deal with them. Yeah. What sort of things? Can you give me an example? Oh, the light recording sound on, basically, even even in, um, you know, the average Wellington windy conditions was... Very, very difficult, and then on top of that, you've got the road noise because obviously Stavros always builds his sculptures close to the road, and so you had all that road noise to deal with trying to, try, you know, trying to record his, um, you know, if you're trying to record his voice while he's doing his work or walking around, it was tr- trying to get clear, um, yeah, you know, clear, clear sound of that was was quite tricky, um, and then even um, trying to keep the camera still in in vaguely windy conditions <laughs> was, was, was also oh, tricky. <laughs> I know there was one time we were kind of trying to we were recording just to try and show the the how bad the weather can be, and uh, and you know they had, you had the, the the you know huge kind of you know five foot swells kind of breaking off the coast, and, and and the strong kind of onshore wind and the camera was kind of just shaking vibrating so much that, that, that to look at the when when we look back at the the actual recording or, or, or the footage it's just. It makes you know, it makes me sick to look at it because so, the camera's just moving around so much. And you will be thinking, we it cost in- money. Yeah. yeah, we didn't include that footage though, so no one should feel sick no, while no, watching our no. film. Yeah. We didn't use that one. <laughs> have you shown it to many people yet? We have showed it. Well, we showed the work in progress to a couple of people to get some feedback. Mm. Um, otherwise, we haven't showed it to many people at all. We have showed it to Stavros though because that was really important for us. Um, that he would like the film. What did he think? Mm. He liked it. Yeah? Yeah, we were so glad. You have yeah. no idea. That was the, probably, out of, I think, the entire <laughs> year, that was the most, um, I'd say, it was a really terrifying moment. I was really scared. <laughs> I think when someone gives you all their time, you feel such a sense of responsibility. Eh? Definitely. Mm. Like, I mean, even when people come in here and uh, interviewed by me and I think oh, I feel so responsible to make sure that it all goes well and exactly yeah. and that they're happy with how they're portrayed mm. and yeah. obviously mm. some of it includes Stavros being frustrated about the situation and so we weren't really sure even though he was speaking really openly about this in interviews we weren't really sure how he would perceive himself when he would see himself that way but he really liked the film so yeah okay <laughs> that's good so what do you think 
um, was maybe like, have, how have you guys changed in, as artists really along the process? We learned a lot of things that we never thought we'd learn. I think um, that that's one of the main the, things. The editing was one of the, the things that, that we didn't think we'd learn, but, <laughs> but ended up having to. Oh, I thought you had an editor. <laughs> yeah, no. we had. Oh, I kind of fell over at the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, I think, the biggest challenge that mm. we had really. Yeah. I think the last time we spoke with you, that hadn't really happened. Um, so You I, were still shooting, I think, at yeah. that point. Yeah, we were still yeah. shooting. And then we had someone who offered to do the editing for us. Um, and at some point, he just kind of disappeared. Um, I mean, we checked. He's still alive. He just disappeared from the project. Mm, mm. Um, and at that stage, we knew we wanted to get it into Dock Edge. We knew we want, didn't want to wait for another year because we didn't really want to let all the people who had been involved wait for another year. Or if and we'd had the motivation to carry on for another year. I'm sure we would have <laughs> after that work. But I think, it, yeah. Anyway, and and then we just thought, okay, we've got nine weeks. We've done a little bit of editing with the software before, let's just see if we can do this from scratch. Nine weeks, it doesn't yeah. sound very long. No! We, we, we spent all of the Christmas period uh, editing. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you missed summer. Yeah, I was just going to say, people told us it was an amazing summer. <laughs> you were in a dark room. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, it's a sacrifice for your art. Yeah, <coughs> that was one of the things we learned. And another thing, though, I mean, okay, some people do let you down, especially when you work, when you haven't got much money and you have to rely on people doing work mm. for you for free because as much as you'd love to pay them, you simply mm. don't have the budget. Um, but then there are also so many people like Stephen, for example, who have been incredibly helpful, incredibly mm. generous with their time. People who do work with film professionally, who've kindly done work for mm. us and didn't charge us. So that and, was really incredible. And like, like, like Victor, because... When we when we got the offer or not the offer or the the acceptance for Dockage and, and they had these I don't know technical formats that the film has to be exported as which because of the way we we edited it it couldn't be or my my software couldn't edit or sorry couldn't export the the final film in in, in the format they wanted and so one of Stephen's friends Victor who who you know he's a, he he works in the film industry. And so he he helped us go through that process to actually export the film as a, as a, as the, the the final deliverable that's going to be shown in the actual cinema, and and I've never I've I've never met him yet. We spent we spent a couple of weeks going back and forth to Miramar, dropping off a, a hard drive into his mailbox, and then going off, going back, picking it up, and then dropping off a bottle of whiskey as payment, and, um, and then and then yeah, then collecting the the hard drive again. So it was like the Cold War or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was very it, it was very kind of spy. Yeah, spyish <laughs> in a way. Just, just kind of going to this mailbox. I guess so. that's the great thing about Wellington. There's always people around that you can ask for help, yeah. especially I suppose in the film area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. even people we've never really met before. Mm. So, I think that's one of the key things that we learned. Once we've made it, and we will, <laughs> then um, help people who are just starting mm. out. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's neat. So you really feel like people with more experience were helping you along a bit? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. What's next, do you think? Like, are you going to make another one? We have a lot of ideas, <laughs> um, but I think at the moment this film, even though, you know, it's finished, it's showing at a festival, it's not going to leave us just yet. We are still mm. frantically finishing our trailer. Um, <laughs> hopefully... In time um, before the festival, not well. afterwards. Um, <laughs> and then we've submitted it to a few other festivals where we don't know the outcome yet. So it's well, still going be to be exciting. with us. Mm. Yeah. So overseas festivals? Yes. 
wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Especially if you could get funding to follow it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that's... Do you think you'll have more chance? I know you said the first time you came in, you, you hadn't really be able to get funding as first-time filmmakers. Do you think now maybe your next film might be partially funded at least? Hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, that would be good. That, I mean, even some good, funding yeah. would be great. Yeah. Um, it really depends mm. on the project because... One of the reasons why we chose this, as Anthony said earlier, is it was local and accessible, but we've got so many ideas where that would involve us, would require us yeah. to travel somewhere, and you can't really do that if you have to fund everything yourself. Well, and if you've got mm. to work 40 mm. hours a week, uh, there's only so many, you know, so many weeks that you get off per year, so we're trying to, trying to fit it around, the, the, I guess, the, the, the day job is the, the hard part. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I guess if you can get funding, then you can take you know you can take time off where where, where you're not being, you know, paid in, in your day job and, and and complete the actual I guess the main part of, of shooting a film during that period. But I guess it, it would need a lot of well need to be really well planned. Yeah, were well, you needing to hire equipment as well? Uh, I guess yeah, if that's the case, yeah, it probably would. I mean, I think that's one thing I learned from 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 this also is that the camera. Because it was shot on, you know, just a, a digital SLR kind of, you know, um, I don't know, photo camera that that can mm. shoot video. That there's a lot of, I guess, you know, technical constraints with it in, in the fact that focusing was really difficult because you, you're still, you, you know, you're just trying to view the image on the on the, on the viewfinder on the back of the of the camera, which is really small, and so it's hard to always tell if something's in focus or um, trying to trying to check the actual exposure. Um, it's, it's really difficult, so I think for the next project, we'll definitely try and either hire or or, or buy, well, maybe get get a bank loan, and um, and uh, and buy an actual a, a proper proper video camera. Simon didn't so. look too impressed, right? <laughs> you have no idea how often I've heard the sentence. This is the last thing we need to buy. Uh, yeah, well, I've been doing photography for a while, so I've got quite a collection of equipment. So right, expensive hobbies. It is yeah. piling up. <laughs> Um, but, uh, oh, sorry, no. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, I mean, the good thing about documentary films, though, is that you don't need to have the most state-of-the-art equipment for many types of films, um, as long as you've got a good story and as long as it looks good. But, you know, you can get away with um, cheaper equipment as long as the story is really good and as long as the sound really works. But mm. I don't think, it, you know, his camera yeah. is actually doing a really fantastic job. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 it's a good camera. It is a good camera, yeah. has done a really good job. It looks very nice. I'm yeah. a bit, bit of a perfectionist with the photos, so... so. Yeah. So having a camera that's yeah. more easy to operate and, uh, I guess, get around certain technicalities would be... is always mm. good. Did you have proper sound gear, or were you just, like, plugging a mic into that? Um, no, because the camera... Yeah, it's only got a, what is it, a 3.5mm jack input into the camera, and that doesn't work anymore, because it, it broke, and so the the sound kept going... <laughs> and so we've we've got a what is it a zoom a zoom something or another um, handheld recorder and then you kind of plug the 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 shotgun microphone into into that and then you have the 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 blimp that that helps protect it from the wind. Ah, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully get get get, get, get crisper, crisper sound. So. Right. But it was um, I mean it was all a learning curve. We we did make we bought a couple of books obviously as well as. Um, you know, in the, the age of Google, that was you know um, amazing to to actually help learn learn how to make films. But we had a couple of good books 
that we reference on 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 you know practical documentary filmmaking. So, and that and that really helped when when it came to say doing you know doing interviews, how how to set up the camera or position your your interviewee and 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 say how to deal with recording sound in a in a tiny room where it might bounce bounce um, bounce around. But right, did you I don't quite think redo? I got that right. But um, or did, was reading that book enough? Did you have to redo any interviews after? Um, no, not not really. No, well, that's good. It's always good. So to they, research all, they all worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, you had some great people that you interviewed. Interesting people like Celia Wade Brown. I thought she said some really interesting stuff. Yeah, definitely. And she knew Stavros um, because she'd um, given him um, mm. the Absolutely Positively Wellingtonian Award before, so she was actually really, really keen to get involved. And that was really great. Did she contact you or did you contact um, me? I think I think Stavros, I, 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 I've Stavros mentioned to her about, could we, could we put up these posters around, around um, Island Bay in order to try and find, you know, because we, we were trying to contact the people that were knocking it down to get their, their, their point of view. Um, and so we put all these posters up, and then I think Stavros told Celia about the posters, and then and, and then she contacted us. Yeah, I think we'd been thinking about mm. contacting her, but then we thought, oh, you know, she's probably really busy, and she won't have time for us, and we haven't really done anything before. And then she just, yeah, suddenly you get an email from Celia <laughs> White Brown. Hey, right, can I be in your film? <laughs> Stavros is obviously a great subject, because he must know so many people, because he's always walking around. The whole south coast of Wellington. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing how far, yeah, yeah, how much he walks. But yeah, he he does interact with a, a lot of people. I think he gets a lot of enjoyment out of, you know, wandering around the coast and just just uh, just you know talking to to random people and showing them, yeah, showing them the the, the, the things that he's interested in. So, mm. do you think the process of making the film changed anything about him? Um, that's a good question. Yeah. Oh. Well, he definitely enjoyed it. Um. I think he liked the attention. I think, yeah, definitely. As an artist, you always enjoy mm. that. He'll be um, missing you. Um, I'm seeing his work on the big screen. I think maybe simply the fact that there is now some acknowledgement of the fact that people go around and knock over his work. We actually have evidence um, <laughs> that really helps him. Because yeah, because I probably would have thought, oh, it's just kids, come exactly, on, relax. Exactly, <laughs> And so, you know, he probably was aware to some point that he sounds utterly paranoid when he says, well, there are these elderly people going around that knock over my sculptures. And you think, really? <laughs> but yes, really. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. <laughs> Maybe you have a renewed energy to get out there. Mind you, energy doesn't seem to be his problem, does it? No, no, no. no. He's, he's definitely not short of energy, that's for sure. No, he was wearing us out, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> How much footage did you end up with in the end? God, lots. A lot, yeah. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I think the the hard drive is probably like, like over three hundred gigabytes of, of. I mean, that, that includes sound as well. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of kind of shots and you know, lots of footage and uh, there, was, there was so much of it we didn't actually use. So. We had another three, was it three or four interviews that mm. unfortunately we didn't end up using simply because we only had those nine weeks. Initially we thought it would be a slightly longer film um, with a slightly more complex story but because we only had those nine weeks to get it to the dockage deadline we decided to focus on one core part of the story and yeah. It's so hard. It was. <laughs> and telling people, hey, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the story. Mm. 
Yes, that must be, that editing process must be <coughs> so difficult. <laughs> it is. It almost felt like you're trying to put together a jigsaw puzzle, but you have no idea what it's supposed to look like. And mm. you have all these pieces, and you try to make them fit and work You've together. You've got too many pieces. You've got more pieces than are going to go into the final jigsaw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so someone actually put additional jigsaw puzzle pieces in there <laughs> just to make it harder. <laughs> well, really well done. Yeah, it's going to be amazing to oh, see it up you. on the big screen. and We haven't seen it on the big screen yet. Yeah. It's another one so, of those. So hopefully it looks good. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what the other films are that are going to be on in that segment? Mm-hmm. Yes. Have if only I knew it? the names now. Uh, oh, there's one about, there's one about the uh, violin maker. Um, there's one about Robin Hyde, mm. the mm. journalist and writer, and her um, secret son. Um mm. And then there is another one about the bone people, a literary scholar in search for the bone people. Wow, sounds really interesting. And that's, you said, May 21st or 20th? The 20th of May, Sunday the 20th. And where is that? Is that at the embassy? Oh, no, the Roxy in Ah, of course. Oh, that'll be great. Cool, well, congratulations on getting through there, getting it done and... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're still together and yeah, still talking to each other. <laughs> and I hope next time you get a little bit of money and can you know keep following your dreams. Well, that would be great. Can always crowdfund, I guess, like other, like other people. That's, that's a, another yeah. option. Yeah. So. Well, especially now you've got something that people can see. Mm. You know, you will yeah. finish it. That's a big thing, isn't it? Finishing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Um, that was Simon Litchfaga and Anthony Kitchener who made the film Rock, Paper, Scissors about um, sort of beach sculptor, I guess you'd call him, Stavros Kyriakides. Thank you very much. That programme is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks, New Zealand On Air, for funding the Access Internet Radio Project. 